So, very good evening and uh, welcome along to this week's uh, Irish Whiskey Review, UlsterWhiskey.com's uh, show. It's all about woman in whiskey this week. And if you want to find out more about uh, the female form's contribution to the world of whiskey, you're going to find it all tonight from the man, the myth, the legend himself, uh, Marty McCauley. We're going to be speaking to him very, very, very shortly. He's standing by for us at his sort of evil evil villain born villains den so uh here 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 he is good evening good evening marty good evening to you evening i feel like i should be stroking a, a, a cat you know <laughs> oh boy you got you gotta laugh you gotta laugh so how, how have you been the weather's changed for the worse so it's it's pretty rough where, where we are in in uh, the sort of county Antrim part of northern ireland it's very 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 rainy and wet now yeah uh, it's been sort of close all day sort of clammy and claggy and uh yeah we're getting pings there, Justin. Do you hear? Yeah, that's the pings. That's the the people logging on. We had uh, three point five thousand views over the last week. Uh, the vast majority of them coming on in the first twenty four hours or so, as people are awake and asleep around the world when this goes out. Uh, it's quite <laughs> difficult for them to watch live because obviously, it's uh, you know in Europe it's it's twenty three hundred hours, and you know over uh, in sort of North America, they're five hours behind us, at least, so it's quite hard for them to watch it some places in the world, especially down under in Australia, because they're sound asleep in their bed at the minute, I would say so. Do you think they would Well, you can watch it at any time you like, so, I mean, let's face it, you know, gone are the days where you have to stay up in the middle of the night and watch the thing, because uh, you used to just video record it was on the middle of the night, that's all you, that's all you did. So, um, we're talking about woman and whiskey this week. Uh, what's what's the score with that? What, what, right. I, I have been asked a couple of times by uh, a few a few ladies, uh, one in particular. I want to I want to talk about one in particular. They, this is this is a woman who drinks whiskey. She knows her whiskey. She knows what she like. She's a, a peat monster. She she's not you know it's not a cork peel thing. She drinks neat Lafroig and Nard Bags and all this kind of stuff. And she was talking to her brother-in-law's friend, okay? And what he said to her was, what would a woman know about whiskey, right? You know that sort of typical sort of chauvinistic, ridiculous attitude, okay? And I, th I thought to myself, well, women know quite a lot about whiskey. Currently, it's estimated that about 34% of the buying customers of whiskey are now women. So about a third of the people who are drinking whiskey are, are women, okay? Now, they have a huge history in the whole story, um, a, very, a very illustrious history in the whole story. In many ways, you could say it was them that founded the whole thing. Um, okay, yeah. As it comes up, uh, there's a bit of a lull of a period where there's not really a huge amount of activity for, for women in the whole industry, but in these days, that's all changed again. They're, you know, it's coming back. Now, I've mentioned this woman before. If I take you right the way back to in and around the, the, the first century BC, uh, a woman called Marie Habrera, Marie, Marie the, the, the Jewess as she was known, she was reckoned to be a, a librarian at the, the Library of Alexandria. 
Um, now, we have none of her records. We don't have any of her records. We just have people from after her who quote her. And in it, they talk about uh, basically a little still that she made uh, to, to, to distill eel or beer at the time. And that's probably the first official recorded uh, reference to this this process, distilling. And we we don't have a slide for that or a picture from that, Marty, because it's 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 two thousand years ago plus, isn't it? No, it's uh, put it like this: you could you could probably find one on Facebook. There'll be somebody out there have one, you know, <laughs> a fake one. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but but so. She, she's really the first person documented as having that uh, process. Uh, and it's referred to a few hundred years after she died. Now, at the time, most of this would have been used in, in cosmetics and, and in perfumes and stuff. And it was known as alcohol. And that's where we get the word alcohol from. Okay. Now, so that, that's really the very origins and basically the first references to, to distilled spirits way, way back in, in Egypt at the time. Now, if you skip along over the, the, the history, uh, you come to the making of beer and, and that kind of alcohol. This was a domestic chore. Now, while the, the men were out in the fields or away fighting battles, the, the women ran the houses, and they would have this would have been a form of cooking. Now, probably... Distilling came to the British Isles via uh, monks. That's that's where they reckon it's come from. It came from the continent uh, uh, and came across to the British Isles. Now, women would have made alcohol at home as a medicinal thing, as something medicinal, because a, obviously... A bit like this old doll, would she have done that sort of thing? She'd done it on a bigger scale a bit later on. Uh, <laughs> yeah. She, well, she done it on a much bigger scale. But what they would have done was they would have made whiskey for all manner of ailments. I mean, you have to remember there was no medicines back then, uh, so you know they weren't. This was basically the only cure they had. So they would have made it up in the house or on the farm um, as a domestic uh, chore, if you like. Then some of them became apothecaries, uh, basically your pharmacists of the day, and all was going along swimmingly until James I appeared, James VI of Scotland. And then he decided that this was tantamount to witchcraft. So when you hear about uh, witches being burnt at the stake, a lot of them were, it was because they were making whiskey. They were making alcoholic spirit. Now, th this, this whiskey wouldn't have been what we would sort of term whiskey today. It was, it was probably a bit more like gin than it would be whiskey. But there was 4,000 witches uh, executed in, in the British Isles because of, of this witchcraft. And it's in part to do with the fact that they were making the spirit. They were they were the ones who were doing the distilling. So it was basically totally prohibited for women to do. Uh, obviously, if there was a chance of you getting burnt at the stake, there's probably a, there's a pretty good deterrent, you know? <laughs> so that, that was really sort of during the Middle Ages. Um, that that aspect then, they sort of disappeared. But if you bring it a little bit closer to today, um, you know, by that I'm talking about the 18th century, you start to see women coming in and being distillers. Now, we don't have records of companies the same way as we obviously do now, but you can 
find out that some women were fined for for not paying taxes and stuff. Uh, there's a girl called Margot Elliott, for example. She was fined five pound in 1768 for for not paying her, her, her taxes. You know, for having a still. So we know that she was distilling, and it was probably a fairly common thing for women to do, um, and sell it. So you, I mean. You have it was a way of a woman basically making some money as well. You know they they, they would have sold it maybe to the inn and to the taverns and that kind of thing. So that's that's essentially where they fit in at that period of time. Now the late seventeen hundreds would have been really where you start to see bigger distilleries. I talked about this uh, last week or a few weeks ago. You know you have much more commercialised distillery starting to appear. Uh, it's around that time that Bush Mills, the, the company of Bush Mills, is actually registered at that time. So, again, you have these um, th th these women owning and, and doing the distilling. Now, the picture you have up now, that's obviously of a much later period, but it shows... We think these days of women coming into uh, an industrial setting, if you like, after the First World War, First World War, shortage of, uh, of men working in factories and stuff, women then are taken on to do, do the, the jobs that traditionally done by men in factories. But women have always worked in distilleries. They've always been there or thereabouts. Normally, at that point, as you can see in the, the bottling plants and, and that kind of thing. So they, they've been in and around that when they had um, where they had employment in a factory. Now this is this is it's kind of important because you have that um, women in the workplace and they were they were used to being in that workplace. It wasn't um, it wasn't unusual for them to be there, you know. Now, as I say, there was women who were there or thereabouts all all the time. I mean, you had um, Kate Kearney in the 1850s, who was known as the Potchin Queen. So I know it's not whiskey, it's the same, it's in the same ballpark. And she was known as the Potchin Queen. Um, she was she was making stuff, she was selling it. We had Mary McBride up in, in Cushion Doll, Cushion Dunn. Um, who was, again, she was a distiller. It was illegal to sell whiskey, so what she did was she sold water and gave you a free glass of whiskey with it. That's your one. You know, so they've always had this tradition, okay? Now, as I say, the, the Bush Mills was registered in, in the, you know, the 1780s, and what... What a lot of people don't know is that at one point it was actually owned by by a woman. It was it was run by a woman called Ellen Jane Corrigan, and she played a huge part. Now this is a little bit later on. I'm, uh, I'm maybe jumping a little bit ahead of myself. She was the woman who brought electricity into to Bushmills. She was the woman who took uh, Bushmills across. Where if you see a bottle of black bush, you'll see. You see, it always says about these medals, yes. which they won some of the world's fairs. She was the one who won these medals. You know, she helped okay. 
jumped production at Bush Mills from 80,000 gallons a year to 100,000 gallons a year. So you had, you know, again, this is all important. I'll get back to women who own distilleries because during the 19th century, and I'm talking primarily about uh, in the US at this point, you had sort of the Wild West and the, 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 the sort of frontier, if you like, sort of the new world. And you had all these new saloons and bars and, well, to be honest, brothels as well. One of the ways that women made some money was that they got commissioned for the more booze they sold. So the selling of whiskey, it was reckoned that in the States, there was many, many more shots of whiskey sold by women than, than actually by men. So again, it's all part of the trade, all part of the uh, the whole the whole thing. Now, globally, in the sort of late nineteenth uh, century, early twentieth, you had a movement about temperance. They were women wives. I'm talking about here were really fed up of their husbands going away to to the saloon getting drunk and going to brothels and all that kind of thing. You can understand why. <laughs> so, so there was a big push. There was a big push for temperance, outlawing of alcohol, getting rid of alcohol, getting rid of the booze. Um, so women then came on board with, with primarily the Catholic Church to say they wanted alcohol banned. Okay? Not them keep the... the the men at home, if you like, and, and whiskey food. Now, there was lots of uh, graphics of, of women smashing up, and women did this. They used to go around and smash up whiskey kegs. Uh, they would went into bars. They were basically like the suffragettes, uh, and and the two the two weren't mutually exclusive. A lot of the time, you know, the same women who were arguing for the right to vote were the same women who were going around smashing up uh, cast whiskey. Uh, so obviously, as I'm sure you're well aware, Justin, they they got limited success over, over here, but they got plenty of success over in the States where they got uh, prohibition brought in, the Volstead Act, which brought in the banning of alcohol and the seal of alcohol. So I'm going to take a little drink because the, the, the very thought of that is making me wake at the knees. <laughs> Ah, well, we can see the, the sort of prohibition crusaders there on their yeah. horseback with their axes, uh, lithograph cutting cut, cut, cut it down. I mean, but it, but it was a, it was a very lucrative trade for a lot of people at, uh, at that time, wasn't it? Prohibition. Well, prohibition. Once prohibition was brought in, um, what happened was <laughs> it didn't stop anybody from drinking. The problem was. People were, were still carrying on drinking, probably drinking even more, and but there was no regulation to it. There was they were smuggling it in. Now, everyone when they think of prohibition, they think of Al Capone and they think of these guys who are, you know, um, making a vast amount of money, the mafia and all this kind of stuff. It's been estimated that five times more whiskey was sold by women than by men. And a couple of very good reasons for that. It was against the law in a lot of states in America to actually search a, a woman. The policeman couldn't search her because it was it was it was illegal. 
So obviously, because all the policemen were policemen, there was no policewoman then. No, exactly. <laughs> so it would have been considered very, very bad form for a man to put his hand on a on a married woman or even or an unmarried woman. So they smuggled it in, and they used to smuggle it in baby carriages. They smuggled it in on their person, the way you see in the, in the picture there. And even if they were caught, a, a lot of them were were very good at batting their eyelids and saying, "Oh, but I, it's the only way I can feed my 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 poor children," or you know, I'm only a young woman and I'm caught up in this game. And let's be honest, I mean, men are suckers for this kind of thing. We, we know that. But there was one woman in 1925 in uh, Milwaukee, and she was she at the time was making $30,000 a year. Okay? So that's the equivalent of half a million dollars a year, half a million dollars today in today's money. That's how much money she was making from this. And um, there was other women making even far more than that. Uh, there was a lady called Josephine Dory. I think you have a picture of her. And she was a dancehall girl. Um, she was a dancehall girl and she turned to a bootlegger. And, and she lived up in, uh, in Glacial National, National Park. And the train line used to run beside her house. And so what happened was when the train used to come down, it used to stop outside her house and sound the horn and the more times it sounded the horn that was to tell them how much how many cases of whiskey they needed that day <laughs> so she was making a huge amount of money um if anybody's ever seen uh the tv show justified and if you haven't seen that it's absolutely brilliant timothy elephant's on it he's, that's superb there's a there's a character in it mags bennett and it's based on a woman called maggie it Hale. Is that the right lady there, is it? Yeah. Yes, that's her, up in the little cabin. Um, so the, 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 Mags Bailey was known as the, the Queen of Harlan County because she was she was selling so much uh, so much moonshine. Um, so another woman is Willie Carter Sharp. Uh, you have a picture of her. She's a rather gruff-looking lady. Uh, it's estimated that she's, she moved... 225,000 gallons of whiskey. Now, if you consider I was talking about LNG and Corrigan up in Bush Mills yearly um, output uh, to 100,000, she, she shipped out more than double that. Now, when she died, when she died, there was a lot of people came to her funeral and lots of them marvelled in the fact that she had diamonds in her teeth. It's <laughs> just like a James Bond fellow. I was, I was, we must have rehearsed this tonight. We must have rehearsed this. I was thinking this is maybe a little bit more than more like one of those, uh, you know, uh, rappers from the States, you know. Yeah, yeah. she had so much money, she, she had diamonds put in her teeth. Um, so you know, it's giving you an idea of just how much money that these were, uh, they, that they were bringing. Interestingly, one of the things that they used to do was the bootleggers used to build really, really fast cars, and women used to drive these. And they used to drive them at breakneck speeds to try and get away from the, the, the police, the authorities. This is the, women did this as well as the men. And that's, that's the foundation of NASCAR racing. That's where NASCAR racing came from. All these souped-up cars uh, driving as quickly as possible over, over uh, rough terrain. To try and get away from the authorities and there's lots of photographs of women uh, doing this you know so right. as i say that it was, it was kind of an equal opportunities business you know um 
Okay, we're 20 minutes in tonight, Marty, already, believe it or not. We better say hi to some of the people that have joined us. Uh, Trevor Watson has popped in. Uh, Trevor, good evening to you. Uh, and uh, what do you make of it tonight? If you have anything to contribute, make sure you're watching in the main feed and the main channel, ulsterwhiskey.com or Irish Whiskey's Reviews Facebook page. Uh, you can uh, comment, like, and share there. We can see your messages on screen like Trevor's. Um, we've had the, the message in from a lady who we know is a, a bit of a whiskey aficionado. Uh, Julie Mason has been in tonight. Evening, Murray and Justin. Really looking forward to the show tonight. Now, if you'd, if you'd like to join us, that's all you have to do. And don't forget, if you go on the uh, Facebook page, you can actually also find there a link down below and you can actually uh, join our mailing list. Uh, Sean O'Neill's getting in the act tonight already, Marty. Uh, Woman and Whiskey, we're going to find out as we move into the uh, 20th century, uh, we're going to find out a lot more uh, about women who played a significant role in the world of whiskey in more recent decades. Yes. Well, just think we go back to the the, the, the prohibition and, and women moving whiskey. Uh, my favourite one is Gertrude Cleo Lithgow. Uh, she was this extremely elegant, extremely beautiful, sort of flapper-looking lady who... She was known as the, the Queen of the Bahamas, um, and she used to bring in whiskey and rum, and that's her... She used to smuggle in whiskey and rum by the boatload. You know, she, she had so much money and so much power that she, that she was bringing it in in vast quantities. Um, and it's not really known just how much that she actually was bringing in. Uh, she was extremely clever at manipulating men and probably not that hard to see why. Um, but she was able, she was doing this and then when, when she was eventually sort of caught, <laughs> she basically ratted on all the, all the people that she was dealing with and said that, they, oh, I'm just, I'm just a, a simple lady caught up in the whole thing, you know. And she got away with it. You know, so <laughs> she made an absolute fortune of money. Um, <laughs> she she, she kind of reminds me of Louise Brooks, if you know who she is. She's kind of that silent movie star. She's a wonderful woman. Her, no her, no she, idea who she is, Marty, at all, Louise Brooks. Ah, oh, she's a beautiful one. Um, do you ever? Uh, she was in a film called Pandora's Box. Do you ever? Do you ever hear the song OMD? Um, uh, uh, Pandora's Box. That's all about her. Vague, vaguely, vaguely, vaguely. But uh, no. So again, she was kind of the queen of the whole thing. Uh, she, I mean, she was kind of like a female Al Capone. She was bringing in huge quantities of proper good, good uh, alcohol. You know. So that's really the prohibition done. Um, so now you sort of want to talk about um, women who owned distilleries, okay? I mentioned Ellen G. and Corrigan. Now she inherited Bush Mills from her husband. And when she inherited it, it was a going company, uh, going concern, but she was the one who put it, turned it into a PLC, uh, a limited company. As I say, she upped production, she introduced electricity, she she didn't do any of the distilling, she actually ran the business. And and this I mean this is in the in the nineteenth century, this is really well it wouldn't have been common. And I think because it was the whiskey trade, it was it was a bit she actually was a bit like uh, JK Rowling. She used to sign everything EJ. Corrigan, because then, well, that way people didn't know she was a woman, you know. 
Yes, I'm, people. I'm with you. A lot, a lot of woman writers do have pen names that are men's names. Yes, yeah. George Eliot, so probably the best example of that. But in 1880, she sold Bush She sold her share for £3,000, which was a considerable amount of money at that time. Um, but she was so well regarded that she was actually kept on the board and had voting rights on the board. So she obviously was extremely well regarded. Um, and in that, in that regard, that would have been unusual in and of itself. Okay. Now, uh, some of the other distilleries. Um, so we've done Bushmills, okay? Bushmills. Uh, Tullamore Dew. Tullamore Dew at one point was owned by a woman, uh, Marianne Daly, uh, who has not known an awful lot about her, but she, um, she owned it. Um, she probably didn't run it, but... Uh, she, she, uh, the fact that she owned it and, and had it, she, she must have been running it on some some level. Um, we're not too sure about what she's done, but I mean, it was owned by a woman. But the woman I really want to talk about with Tolla Moore is when Grants took over Tolla Moore Jew, the CEO of Grants was a girl called Stella David, and she was the girl. She was the person who green-lighted the, the 35 million euro budget and expenditure for the new Tullamore distillery. Now, if you if you get a chance to go down there, it's, it's a fabulous place. And uh, I mean, how, how much more involvement can you want from a, a woman in industry? The fact that she was the CEO, uh, the fact that she green-lighted a, a, a massive project, really, really a bit before anybody, before, that's not so. That, Apparently she's a big Darts fan. I read in an interview. She's a big what fan? Premier League darts. All right. <laughs> she doesn't, doesn't remind you of someone who's... No, you're normal darts fans normally. In, in, in a, a Millwall top and a, a pint of beer. I don't know about that. If you've seen darts matches now, they're a bit, a bit of a fun fest. Now, uh, getting more plenty of your messages in tonight. Keep them coming, guys. Uh, remember to go on the main uh, website and uh, do it from there. So, uh, Peter McCabe wants you, not me, Marty. He wants you to sing Pandora's Barks for us. <laughs> uh, uh, <no. laughs> that would be a no, Peter. Um, <laughs> Peter would like to do a recording and uh, send it in. Uh, I, 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 I will play it next week, possibly. Would we, Justin? Would we get away with that? No, I think Facebook would definitely cut us off if we did, if we did, <laughs> we did that. You know, we, 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 we don't want we don't want to get cut off. We don't want to get cut off. Um, so we can't play the the John Lee Hooker song, Women and Whiskey. Unfortunately. Well, we we would on some platforms we can. I'm going to Hello. I've just sneezed. Sorry about that. Oh, he's got coronavirus. No. Too, too, too late now. I'm too, too sneezy. It's probably a, a reaction to the antibiotics I'm on to try and uh, curb my uh, double root canal from exploding out the side of my mouth. <laughs> I know a guy that happened to. Another woman I want to talk about. This, this woman's quite important too, Mary Dowling. Uh, she um, was a whiskey producer in the 19th century. 
uh, in Tyrone in Kentucky. Yes, named after our Tyrone over here. Um, now she took over a, a, a waterfall and Fraser distillery. And when she took it over, it had already been producing uh, whiskey in the name and the name of these. These were the people who had founded it, but she took it over along with her husband as well. Now, one of the things that she did was she moved production uh, from Kentucky to just over the border. So this this was in around the, pre, the Prohibition era as well. And she moved it just across the border from uh, El Paso and the RS, uh, Juarez and uh, was able to smuggle it in across. Uh, if you've ever seen Breaking Bad, well, you, you know all the sort of bandits lived down in El Paso, you know. So uh, that, one of the interesting things about her was that Two family members who who didn't run the distillery, they set up uh, a whiskey distillery and wanted to trade under their surnames, which was Waterfell and Fraser. So she went to court to say, well, we own that. We own that brand. And, they, and she won, which was one of the first times that this sort of legal recognition of a, a brand uh, appeared in, in, sort of in US law. Uh, it meant that the two guys who were trying to basically make whiskey in their own names weren't allowed to do so. Uh, which is kind of a, a very big thing if you think about it, you know, that sort of copyright law being enshrined in, in various different ways. So, I mean, in, in its own regard, that, that's really quite a, uh, quite a significant point. Now, we're going to talk... Hold on before we go there, because you, you, you've been hit with questions tonight, thick and fast. Uh, uh, I will tell you this uh, first. Uh, Helen uh, Mulholland Bushmills, West First Lady of Hall of Fame. What do you know about her? Do you know anything about her? I, I yeah. listen, uh, Marty. These guys are sitting on the internet googling this, and they're they know that you don't have an earpiece in like me. You see, I have an earpiece in. Uh, that's just so as I can hear Marty. But Marty doesn't have any help. He doesn't have any help there at all. All he has don't, is listen. I, I, I've, I've even done research for this this week. I've even Googled about myself to find out some stuff. <laughs> Honestly, I've done actually done preparation work for this this week. That's how serious I'm taking it. <laughs> well, well, you have to take it seriously if if, if like three and a half thousand people are hanging on your every word. But listen, uh, before you answer that, we'll, we'll put this up on the screen. And remember, if you want to get in touch, all you need to do is uh, do it on the main site, which is this site here. Uh, facebook.com irish whiskey review live we can then see it if you comment on one that's been liked or shared we mightn't see it because of privacy settings okay and if you think privacy exists in the internet think again uh, <laughs> so frank heron is sitting in the awning of a camper van with all the children and grandchildren in their caravans having a wee whiskey watching the show we have the wagons in a circle. <laughs> I like the Conestoga, Conestoga wagons. Uh, Frank, aren't you just down in Fermanagh? <laughs> anyway. Yeah, so, something like that there. So listen, answer that question for Jonathan McCulloch, because we're, we're halfway through the show tonight, and we've hardly mentioned any of the modern ladies yet. And we're going to... I'm going to talk about Helen Hall and all the other modern ladies in a, in a, a little bit because I want to, I want to kind of keep it on the timeline and uh, just keep it on that that sort of chronological time. 
And I want to talk about owners of distilleries because it's really, they're really quite important. Um, there's a picture of a, a, a Mary Cummings who she founded the Cardew Distillery. Um, or Elizabeth Cummings, sorry, I should say. Uh, it makes its own whiskey now, but it was bought over by Johnny Walker. Now, Johnny Walker is the biggest selling uh, Scotch whiskey. So but she started this um, and she thought, <laughs> it's a very sort of weird story. She, she, she started it illegally and then uh, when the authorities were coming, she used to say, oh, would you like to come in for a wee cup of tea sort of thing, blah, blah, blah. And, well, there's no, none of the men about, and nobody thought it was her that was actually doing the distilling, but it was. And so she managed to get away with it for years. And she used to put, a, uh, whenever the, the, the police would have come in or the authorities would have come in, she put a flag up that uh, alerted everybody to get everything put away. So is, is that her? Is, is that her? Yep. Johnny Walker. Now, this is the green label, it's not the red label. Um, but I mean, she, she was the, the, the founder of the. the the Cardew Distillery. Um, uh, let me think, who else? Um, uh, Marjorie Sutherland, she inherited the Dalmore Distillery. And Dalmore, if you've seen that, it's the one with the big stag's head on it. Uh, her, her, basically her uh, father and brother tried their damnedest to bankrupt the thing. Uh, they were her father just gave away whiskey. He done what everything. Her brother was taking loans out against it, but she managed to save the company. Now she did sell it. It was sold in eighteen sixty seven. Um, but the fact that she was she was running it, even I mean, running any business is hard enough. But whenever your own father and brother are trying their damnedest to bankrupt you, um, must be doubly hard. The fact that she was actually able to survive. Dalmore is one of the most respected brands about today. Is, is a remarkable thing. Uh, I'm just having to take down here. Marjorie Samuel, something was his name. If you've you ever seen Maker's Mark, I don't have a bottle of it. I, I sort of thought I would go and get a bottle, but I couldn't really be bothered today, if I'm honest. Maker's Mark is the one that's dipped in the, in the, the very sort of brilliant red wax. And it was a woman come up with that. And basically what she said was all of these bottles all sitting on a shelf all kind of look the same. But when you have Maker's Mark dipped in that red wax, it just, boom, it just, you know, it was like a, 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 an evening dress in a, in, a, in, a, in a room of suits. And, you know, it was her come up with that, came up with the formula, how to do it. So whenever you see any of the, the whiskey bottles that are dipped in this wax, and lots and lots of them are now, it was her come up with that idea. But I want to go to probably the most important um, women, women in, in certainly the Scotch industry in the 20th century. And that was a woman called Elizabeth Bessie Williamson. Okay. And she was a secretary from Glasgow. She went over to Isla, um, to the Lefroig, and there she is, to Lefroig. Now, she was so well thought of and so well regarded that it was the distillery was left to her. Okay. She apparently she was an extremely kind uh, and very, very generous and lovely boss. She used to lend her her, her uh, employees money. She'd have given them money if they were in hard time, you know, if something had happened at home, etc. etc. 
during the Second World War, she allowed Lefroy to be used as an arms dump, an ammunition dump. So, it, quite so obviously, if the if the Luftwaffe had known about the blue smithereens, but she allowed she had something like four hundred tons of, of munitions stored at Lefroy to help in the war effort. But the 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 navy wanted to commandeer the whole place, and she said no. They could have this bit, and you know she stood up to the <laughs> she stood up <laughs> she stood up to the. The, the, the government and the, the armed forces during the Second World War, you know, but she still managed to do the production of, of the whiskey. She she went across when Scotch whiskey wanted to promote their product in the US. This is who they sent. They sent her. Now, for a totally male-dominated industry, which, let's be honest, it was at the time, this is obviously during the, the 1940s, she went to represent Scotch whiskey industry in the US and, and obviously done a wonderful job. She was very big on promoting single malts as opposed to blends. So we think people were always drinking single malts. They weren't really. Um, for a very, very long time, it was just blended whiskey. And she was one of the first people who said, no, this is, this is really good quality stuff. This is worth paying the extra money and all of that. Now, she was so well regarded that she was uh, invested in the Order of St. John by the Queen um, for her charity work. Uh, she she expanded Lefroy. She, uh, she she retired in 1972. Uh, and she's so well thought of that Lefroy actually have a bottling named after her, uh, which is a, a, a travel retail exclusive. You can only really buy it at airports. And it's four hundred and sixty pounds a bottle, you know. So uh, is that you coughing there or sneezing again? <laughs> no, Justin. no, it wasn't. It must have been <laughs> an artifact on the internet. I didn't make any noise there at all. She basically she revolutionised the Scotch whisky industry in many ways, and she opened new markets for it in, in America, which is obviously the biggest market for for Scotch whisky in the world, etc., um, etc. She, she's often labelled as being the first woman to own and run a Scotch whisky distillery. Uh, that's not true. Uh, she's not even the first woman to own Lefroy. Uh, another woman called Catherine Johnson owned it at one point, uh, along with another two women, uh, Catherine Johnson and, uh, and uh, Mrs. Mrs. William Hunter. And, uh, so obviously, we don't. I, I don't know her first name. But that's so. The, these two women owned Lefroy. Just up the road, two sisters, Margaret and Flora McDougall, owned Ardbeg. Uh, a woman called Lucy Ramsey owned Port Ellen, all on Isla. So you, you, you begin to see that women owning distilleries and running distilleries it wasn't wasn't the norm, but it wasn't uncommon. You know, it, it was a it was a fairly acceptable thing. You know, and I think it probably comes from the fact that these women were, were very good at what they did. But it was also seen as sort of traditionally being a, a kind of a woman's thing for for uh, making, you know, you know what I mean. Uh, something akin to a domestic chore, you know. Now we'll, we'll get up now to the likes of Helen Mulholland down in in, uh, in Bushmills. Good, 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 because uh, Jonathan McCulloch was asking that. Uh, time is flying tonight, Marty. We're two-thirds of the way through the show tonight. We're 40 minutes in, can you believe it already? And 
it's 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 such a history lesson. Who would have thought that an industry such as alcohol, uh, uh, whiskey, would have had so many ladies involved at, at the top end of it, more or less? At the top end, absolutely. Now, there is a book where I obviously got a lot of this from, from, from a few books that I have. One is called Women and Whiskey uh, by a guy called Fred Nimmy. Now, in it, he talks about some of the women in today, and he talks about Helen Mulholland. Now, Helen Mulholland at Bushmills is the, the, the head blender, the master blender. Now, for me, I've said this many times in, on doing these, for me, the blender is really the, 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 the artist of the whole thing, because they're the ones who have to take all of these various casks, and all of these could be slightly different than they were last week or last month or certainly two or three years ago, and they still have to make a consistent product. So they have all of this to try and get something the same with all the varying various ingredients. Now, in the book uh, by, by Mimic, he, he makes a claim. Now, I don't know whether this is true or not, but he makes the claim that Helen Mulholland is so good at what she does that she can tell you what day of the week a barrel of whiskey was distilled on, even, wow. after, even after the years that it's been in cask. Now, I have no idea whether that's true or not, but the fact that a guy's done the research of a book has put it in means that it's that it's she's well enough respected that it could could possibly be true. Now that gives an idea of just how well respected she is. What's she the name? Was, what's the name of that book again? Uh, Women and whiskey. It's quite. I, 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 I copied it. Justin, I copied it. What's, what's what's the guy's name that wrote it? What's what's how how did he come across all this sort of detail then? Fred Mimic, he, he writes about whiskey. He writes that's. Uh, he writes about whiskey, um, but but that's that's a real quality gem. You know, that's like the guy in Portugal who never released how he could tell a ship was coming over the horizon before radar was invented. I mean, at that what day of the week the barrels made on? Come on, Marty. What day of the week the whiskey was made on? Not the barrel. What day of whiskey the the, the whiskey? The, con it? the contents, yeah. But that, I mean, it gives you an idea of just how well respected she is. Now, Jonathan is quite right. She was invested as the first woman into. The, the Whiskey Magazine Hall of Fame in the States. So, I mean, she, she's world class. Uh, here, listen, there's, there's, there's always experts here. Now, there always is. Now, we've been asked this tonight. This is where we're going to get ladders. And I, I, I have a feeling, I have a feel, I have a feeling about this. Yeah. Uh, Trevor Watson is asking Do women's taste buds work better than a man's? Um, in a word, no. Uh, <laughs> it's like some that. There's not really, a, I don't think there's any real difference. Um, what it really is, it comes down to you, your prep work and your knowledge uh, and how you do these things. Um, there's there's lots of women blenders and distillers and stuff about these days, and I'll, I'll tell you a bit more about those in a minute. It really comes down to practice, um, as far as as far as I know. Uh, there's obviously someone could come in here and tell me I'm wrong, but um, 
<laughs> please, please, please don't, unless you're an all refractory surgeon, because we don't want we don't want uh, we don't want any charlatans on this show. Um, wrong once, but I, don't, I try and not make a habit of it. You know. <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know. Uh, listen, uh, Julie Mason's actually saying that, that 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 book is an excellent read. Yes, uh, this is where you can get the book. Uh, honestly, we're not getting affiliate money here. We're not getting a pound for every book sold. But there's the there's the link to the book in the UK. It's probably a different link on Amazon. It'll say, boop, 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 boop. "Are you in Italy?" And it will bring it up if there's an Italian version of the book in Italian, which there might very well be because most books are translated these days. But I can't see that because obviously I can only go on Amazon.co.uk. I can't even go on Amazon.com because Obviously, a lot of the stuff I want sent from the states you can't get here because we were trying no. to get we were trying to get a we were trying to get a, a something off National Geographic and we couldn't even get it here. No, I'm, no. I'm going to have we're going to have to circumvent uh, something to get that off the National Geographic. But, but I, I have ways and means, Justin. I have ways and means. So, we've about fifteen minutes left tonight, and we're we're going through the more recent stuff now. Are we? Have have we got to that point yet? No. We're doing the recent stuff. We're doing all of the uh, in uh, Scotland at the minute. There's a, a, a lady called Heather Nelson who is the first woman to found a, a, a solely by herself a, a distillery, the Tully Vadi Distillery. And that's the first one. It seems strange. I've been talking all about all these women who have been, but they've pretty much always had. Uh, they've either inherited it or or uh, founded it with partners. Because a lot of the time, women didn't necessarily control the money, so uh, their husbands or something would have been part of that. She's now founding her own distillery from scratch. Which round of applause, good girl. You know, well done. Uh, I, I I can congratulate you for that. Uh, we have uh, the reason Jim Beam's here. Jim Beam, best-selling bourbon in the world, uh, found it on land given by a woman. Woman inherited the land, and she gave the land from which the distillery was built, so without her, they wouldn't have had it to start with. JJ uh, Corey. Okay. Uh, this is the Chapel Gate Distillery. Uh, got a girl called M Louise McGuinn, uh, who is a bonder and blender, so she started this up again. It's like, again, it's, a, it's another one of these harking back to the past. Uh, so she's doing that. Uh, I'm going to get my two glass out, you know, the, the, the whiskey glass, the Irish whiskey glass that I have shown a couple of times. Uh, that was designed by a, a woman called Rosie Goswell, who, uh, that, that's her design and, and product. So uh, she's there. Uh, this week, uh, a girl called Catherine Condon has been elected. Oh, I didn't even touch on all the advertising. No, you didn't, but you did mention Jim Bean there. You did You did mention yeah. it. Uh, obviously, Beth Davis there. I didn't. I wanted to talk quickly about the advertising. Uh, for a period during the 1960s and 70s, 50s, 60s, 70s, it was all, you know, a, a man sitting with a Scotty dog and Heather in the background drinking whiskey and possibly his wife cooking dinner in the background, you know, or, or some... In the 1970s, it was all some sort of dolly bird with the blonde hair looking admirably up at a man drinking a whiskey, you know, just utter nonsense. So I seen this, uh, Betty Davis, and I thought, you know, woman drinking a cigarette and drinking bourbon. Yeah, that's my kind of woman, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Somebody yeah. said it was her favorite actress. Uh, Be Betty Ward said it was her favorite ac actress. Actually, I, I didn't actually mind her in that one where she was the, the you know, the movie star whose shadow had gone away, and she had a sister that was a, a movie star. It was a rather weird one. They're finding the beach dead at the end, or something like that. That weird movie, but very good. Brilliant. Uh, whatever happened to Baby Jane? Yes, yes, that's correct. Brilliant. Um, I, I, I'm just reminded of a quote there um, by one of my favorite. Uh, people in history, uh, never mind the films, Tallulah Bankhead. She said, <laughs> she said at one point, my my father warned me about uh, men and booze, <laughs> but he didn't mention anything about women and cocaine. <laughs> 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 you know, but uh, I'm just I just check the time. I don't have much time left. Um, getting back to to some of the more names. Um, as I say, Catherine Condon is is. Been promoted to a distiller in in uh, Irish distillers. Uh, she was partly responsible for the Method and Madness range. Um, I know there's another distiller down there called Deirdre Carl. She teaches in the Irish Whiskey Academy. Beautiful girl, really, really lovely girl. Um, you have uh, Rachel Barry, who is a master blender for Brown Foreman, and they, they own three distilleries in Scotland. Uh, you have Marianne Eves, who is a master distiller for the Castle and Key Distillery. You have Becky Harris, who opened the Catochin Creek Distillery in Virginia in, in the US. Over here, you have uh, Fiona Boyd Crawford, uh, who, along with her husband, David, really nice people. Uh, they make short cross gin, uh, but they have uh, whiskey laid down, and I know it's ready. Uh, I know it's I know it's aged long enough. It's just they haven't released it yet, but it's coming, and and that'll be really good quality. Uh, so she's involved in it. Uh, one of one of the aspects that um, you you might be a little bit surprised to know is uh, the cooperage. You know where they make the barrels. Um, there is there is actually a reference to a, a, a distillery uh, over in in the US. Back at the turn of the last century, where women were making barrels, but this would have been heavy. This is heavy enough work. But the as you will now have said that these two ladies are being trained up at the Canvas uh, Canvas Cooperage in Alloa, uh, Angela Cochran and Kirsty Olinchik. So I hope that from this, and I know this is not authoritative. There's lots and lots more you can be taught, and I probably missed out women today and women, you know, but. You go to any of the distilleries, and women guides are there. Uh, there was about two separate shows in this, Marty. There was so much information in this, you know. I mean, it, Michael Matthews is saying every day's a school day. Great stuff. There, there was so much more to this than, than uh, even I imagined there was going to be. You can go on. I mean, honestly, women these days, obviously, in pretty much every industry, but in the whiskey industry, they make up a third of the people who are drinking it. They are opening distilleries. They are uh, overseeing new companies. They are in charge. Some of them are doing all the branding. Some of them are doing making the barrels. Um, they're doing blenders, distillers. They're doing all of this, and they're they're on. I mean, you're flashing through photos. Uh, 
And I, I there's some great there's some great branding that was seen there. Look, look at that, look at that one. I mean, that was inspired. That one, they did it for yeah. Game of Thrones. They did White Walkers for for Game of Thrones. Uh, and then they come up with Jane Walker uh, rather than Johnny Walker. It was it was fabulous that. And and that's it. So whenever I, I started off talking about that sort of chauvinist. Uh, well, I could swear, but I'm not going to. Uh, talking about what the women know about whiskey. Now, I've only had an hour, but I'd like to think that anybody can walk away now and say women women know an awful lot about whiskey. Um, probably an awful lot more than ignorant uh, chauvinistic men, to be quite honest with you. Um, and to to all, especially to all the Lafroy drinking women out there, uh, I salute you wholeheartedly. Uh, you know. Okay, uh, Marty. So we've got about uh, eight minutes left. What have we not covered about women and whiskey that we should have covered then? I think with like this, we could go on, but there's a, there, there is still that sort of stigma about whiskey being, uh, you know, a macho drink and and not being a feminine drink and so on. And it's just utter nonsense. Absolutely, that I poured that from from this, and. I got this. This is a distillery exclusive from from Tullamore, um, and the, when I went in, the girl, she was a young girl. She's only about probably about twenty five, serving behind the counter, and she says, "If you want a bottle of this, we have to go up to a secret room up the stairs." I mentioned this before, and she went up, and I was asking her questions, and she knew, boom, boom, boom. She knew her, she knew her stuff. Uh, she talked about how she liked this, um, that it was one of her favourites because it was quite rich in, in flavour. But you know, she was talking about I was talking about the Phoenix, the Tullamore Dew Phoenix, and she said that was a bit strong for her the way it was. She had a bit of water in it. And she knew her stuff. This is a young girl of, of twenty five, there or thereabouts. Um, I asked her did she you know did she enjoy working at the, the at the distillery? And she said it's fantastic, great company to work for. The really. Uh, Interesting to get bonuses, they you know, they take you in and, and tell you how good a job you're doing, etc. So from the guides to the blenders to the distillers to the marketeers to the even right the way up to the CEOs of companies, you know, Grunts is a huge company. Uh, so women are involved the whole way through. Uh, and as I say, they're 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 drinking more of it, thankfully. Um and and you know. So if anybody's any questions about this, feel free to ask. Um, I may or may not have the answer, but as I say, I, I like to think now that people can go, you know, women women do know what they're talking about. I think many of the people tonight were were have been somewhat flabbergasted by this, you know, <laughs> when, when they come out with questions like, does women's taste buds work better than a man's? If somebody can actually tell what day of the week a barrel was produced on, I mean... It, you do have to you do have to remember that, that, that Helen Mahone is a bit of an exceptional character. You know, she, she's she's a talent. I mean, a real talent. Um, and that's why Bushmill is just world class stuff. Do, do you think any of these women? Uh, you you mentioned one who signed her name. You know, so that people couldn't see her her name was a feminine name. Do you, do you think uh, there was any attrition to this in places? No, it was in the industry. Absolutely not. Um, it's it's just that sort of remnant of, uh, 
I, 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 I you put it? You know that sort of chauvinist. I, I, I can use the word prick here, can't I? You know that sort of chauvinist. You, you, you can, but you know what Facebook's getting like this weather. We don't want to be shut. We don't want to be shut down for talking about alcohol and, and, and saying words that are that are that are bad. It's that it's that kind of sort of misogynistic, chauvinistic attitude. That, 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 I mean, but it belongs in some of the the old adverts. I may do one of these one day uh, on on whiskey adverts, and some of the old sexist stuff will come in, basically because it's absolutely hilarious. Just, just who thought who thought this was appropriate? Like, you know, some of the ad, some of the adverts are absolutely fantastic. I mean, it, what what's this one all about? What's that one all about? There, that old crow whiskey. You know, you know, you, you know, it's 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 a <laughs> it's a it's a pretty salubrious advert, isn't it? Yeah, well, well, this was quite a saucy thing. But this is back. In, I was talking earlier on about back in the in the in the nineteenth century, back in the eighteen hundreds. This was sort of the the dunthole girls, the, the girls that were working in saloons and all that. And they weren't, and they weren't all, by the way, they weren't all prostitutes. So don't don't think that. But lots of them were there just as I think the Japanese do it quite a lot now. But that sort of feel good thing, you know, they were there to basically get guys to drink, and they get commissioned for for selling the whiskey. And this is really harking back to that. You know that old crow that you know back in the saloons and all so, and so on and so forth, and that that's 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 all part of the story and part of the history. And and to say that that, that a woman doesn't know about whiskey is just ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. Because I mean, hopefully, I've proven that 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 that, that actually belongs. I don't know, back back in the nineteen seventies, you know. Okay, well, we're uh, going to wrap up here. I'm just going to give a few people a mention tonight that we haven't managed to squeeze in. Uh, good evening to Steve O'Carroll. Uh, good evening to uh, Stanley Sung, Colin Farrell, Francis Roy, uh, Phil Snedden, Ma Michael Matthews, Jacqueline Wells, Martin McShane, uh, Nigel Martin Falls as well. And, uh, well, uh, Frank, well, listen, Frank, Frank must be trying to curry favor with the uh, the wife and the granddaughters and the uh, uh, and, and uh, the daughters. <laughs> he says probably your best one yet. This talk on on, on, on woman. Uh, funny enough, you know, you can never tell which one's going to catch the imagination. I mean, it, I didn't think the one about the glass was going to catch people's imagination, but it was a fascinating uh, a fascinating uh, sh show, Marty. Uh, so that's that's what Frank's saying, and and he he's sitting tonight in his his camper van. Uh, Just cracked up. a good man, Frank, and hope you keep him well. Yeah, it's 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 a funny one. So that's probably the best one yet. Uh, so thank you very much for that. We don't know what we're doing next week, Marty, do we? I have an idea. We did water. Uh, people seem to like the one on water, so I'm going to do one on fire. Is is that? But sure, that's mostly cocktails. Will you will you like the actual? No, 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 Justin. No, 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 no. Fire has is is a very key part on the whiskey making process as well. And I and tune in next week to find out why. Okay, we're going to do fire next week. You heard it here first. Make sure you tell all your friends. Uh, Sean O'Neill is saying uh, another great show. Thanks, guys. Yes, we're going to call, wrap it up because we like to have it under an hour because if it's under an hour, I can put it on in Instagram television. And if it's over an hour, I have to 
edit a bit of it down and it's very hard to do because it just rolls off marty's tongue for an entire 60 minutes so there you go uh, we're going to do fire next week thank you very much for watching and well we're, we're working on more surprises as well marty aren't we well we're going to do some work for these things behind the scene because pretty much up until last week we've done zero work of them. it was an hour of me spouting away so we might actually put a bit of effort in there <laughs> <laughs> all right uh, thanks very much and uh, just in time your signal has dropped the one the weather is pretty rough tonight speak to you shortly good night Thanks.